Well, hey there, Church of the City podcasters. Pastor Matt here. Just wanted to provide a little bit of an introduction to what you are about to hear. This is one of our webinars from our Formation Workshops series. And over the next number of weeks, there's going to be new lectures posted from that series. And so our prayer is that these lectures would be an encouragement to you as you practice the spiritual disciplines in your life to be formed into a disciple of Jesus. So may these lectures bless you and feel free to share these at your leisure. You are loved. Like Spencer said, I do live in Spokane, Washington, which is on the east side of Washington. When people think of Washington, they think of Seattle usually, and we're like way, way away from any of that kind of high deserty area um, out here, almost in Idaho. So um and that's where I'm coming to you from, from my little backyard office. Um, so uh, I, I was a pastor for a lot of years. I was a youth pastor for a good uh, 10, 15 years. And then uh, we planted a church. And uh, we were there at that church here in Spokane for about another 13, 14 years. And uh, a couple of years ago, I um, was hired with Soul Formation, um, an organization that does spiritual formation for uh, leaders all over the Northwest and really all over the place now. Uh, so I, um, I work with the team out of Portland, Oregon, and I do spiritual direction from right here in my little backyard shack. So that's kind of, um, that's what I do with my life. I am married uh, to Christy for uh, 29 years almost in May. We'll be married 29 years. And um, all of our kids, all three of our kids have left the house and one of them's on their way back in, I think next month, but uh, we're semi empty nesters. And uh, with that, uh, I find myself uh, riding mountain bikes and snowboarding and doing things like that uh, quite a bit these days, actually. And since nothing else is happening, I just, uh, with, with COVID, I've just decided to go outside and have fun. So um, I don't know. There's a little sketch. There's lots more, but um, that's a little bit about me. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about silence and solitude a little bit. And uh, I, I am not a guy who uh, I would have ever imagined would, <laughs> who would talk about this or want any of it. Uh, I do. I like to be active. I like to be out. I like to be moving. Um, definitely a little bit of ADD going on with me. So silence and solitude, um, earlier in my life, I didn't really think I had any use for it. Um, when we, uh, started a church here in Spokane, I'd, I'd been a youth pastor, like I said, for years and, um, you know, kind of everything changed and, uh, all the focus or all the uh, stress was on me in a completely different way. And I found myself needing to do some, uh, some different kind of spiritual work than I'd ever done in my life. And, and part of that was uh, finding a spiritual director. And, uh, <clears throat> and in that my spiritual director started um, a couple times a year, he'd invite different groups of people to uh, the Mount Angel Abbey, it's a Benedictine Abbey in uh, just just south of Portland, Oregon. And uh, he would do these things called Space for God retreats. And one of the things we found ourselves doing on those retreats, we had a lot of time for each other, but we also would take um, at least six hours in the middle of the day. And he would send us out and just tell us to go be silent which was terrifying actually to me. It's like, what do you mean? Go be silent. Um, so uh, the first, the first encounter with that, you know, it's, it's me um, checking email, um, thinking about who I could call, trying to go find a book to read. Uh, just, you know, I'm like, what am I going to do with all these hours of time? This is, this is terrible. Uh, and then a couple days into it, um, I dropped into a place of like, oh, I actually need to do nothing for a little bit. I'm, 
I actually not just need, I want it. Um, and so I found myself with the, these few experiences, um, this is probably 15 plus years ago now, um, finding that the noise of my life was overwhelming and that one of the things that I needed uh, to connect to God and to actually know where I was at was to, to um, build in some solitude into my life. So um, it might feel even a little bit, of, a little bit weird here talking about this in the middle of a pandemic or hopefully at the end of a pandemic, but maybe in the middle of it, I don't know where uh, so many people have actually been separated from each other and found themselves with a, uh, less to do, maybe more to do. I guess it depends on where you're at in your life. Like if, if uh, you know, you have a couple of roommates and maybe you feel like you have nothing going on. If you have uh, lots of kids in your house, you might feel like there's way too much going on uh, trying to figure out how to uh, navigate all that with school and everything. And I don't even know where you're at with, with schools in your area, but uh, I know people have experienced this different differently, but um Again, just talking about solitude in the middle of um, people feeling isolated from each other uh, might be a little bit weird. But one of the things I want to say right up here at the, the top is that um, solitude in particular, silence and solitude, really have nothing to do with loneliness. Um, it's not getting more lonely. It's actually a place of... of of deep connection. It's not about isolation. And uh, I'm actually drawing from uh, Ruth Haley Barton, pretty heavy on this. So um, if you want to, if you want to get what I'm trying to say, but get it in a more concise way, you can just go find her book. Um, Sacred Rhythms, I think is the, the book. Um, and she has a chapter in there on solitude. She also has a book that's called An Invitation to Silence and Solitude. That's excellent. Uh, that's a little earlier than, uh, than than this book on rhythms. But I'm going to read you a pretty long quote. I actually did put it in a slide just because sometimes when people read long quotes, um, my eyes glaze over and I don't know what's going on. So um, this is my Ruth Haley Barton quote. It goes like this. Solitude is a place. It's a place in time that's set apart for God and God alone a time when we unplug and withdraw from the noise of interpersonal interaction, from the noise, busyness, and constant stimulation associated with life in the company of others. Solitude can also be associated with a physical place that has been set apart for times alone with God, a place that is not cluttered with work, noise, technology, or other relationships, or any of, of those things that call us back into the doing mode. Most important, solitude is a place inside myself where God's spirit and my spirit dwell together in union. This place within me is private and reserved, uh, private and reserved for the intimacies that God and I share. What happens between the two of us in that place is not meant for public consumption. It's a place where I can give myself with abandon to the lover of my soul, knowing that I am completely safe from anyone else's curious gaze or judgmental glance. Silence deepens our experience of solitude because in silence, we choose to unplug not only from the constant stimulation of life in the company of others, but also from our own addiction to noise, words, and activity. It creates a space for listening to the knowings that go beyond words and feelings. No pressure at all to put the depths of human soul into words. We enter into solitude and silence on the basis of our desire for God and it becomes the place for being with our desire in God's presence. Even if we experience, also experience some resistance, which is quite normal, especially in the beginning when, we when the desire is deep enough to overcome our resistance, we are on our way. So two things that I wanted to, to pull out of there, and again, I'm sorry for the extremely long quotes. Uh, that's sort of bad form, but I did it anyway. So um, one of the things that she hits there is that we have overly noisy lives. So even in a time, at least actually for me, um, this, this last year, 
uh, of this pandemic and kind of everything shifting has been, um, there's been some real beauty to it. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm overly busy. I actually travel. Um, I don't, I used to travel almost two weeks a month uh, for uh, the things I do for work. Um, and that all stopped, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our world isn't noisy. So, you know, we're, well, um, we have, we have friends, we have finances that are floating around us wondering how we're going to make money and, and manage it the right way. Uh, there's work and even now shifting work, uh, trying to figure out how to do that when some of us can't even go into the place that we work at. Um, you know, kids, pets, people that we're responsible for, uh, causes that we're passionate about, hobbies that we're into. And on top of all that, uh, we, in a very bizarre way, have the world at our fingertips. We have the world in our hands in the form of of our smartphones, right? I mean, that's that's a very kind of normal thing. So um, the um, uh, Cleveland Clinic did a study not too long ago um, about brain breaks. And, you know, we, we used to have all these natural places that we would stop and do nothing. Um, probably Canadians, you're way too polite for this, but, uh, you know, the bathroom has now become a place that like, can you go to the bathroom without your cell phone? Or do you look for that before you go to the bathroom? Um, that used to just be like a, you know, that wasn't an option, but anyway, um, um, we have this tiny computer in our hands that never, ever shuts down. And so all these gaps where our brain used to like actually kick into another mode are gone. Uh, they're just gone. And actually, um, uh, I don't have this quote up there, but um, the, they actually are talking about in this article that, that in, in this study that we need to space out sometimes, that our brains actually need that, just need to drift off. Um, they, they say that other parts of our brain become active when we're not actively doing something, when we're just kind of, again, spacing out. Uh, they call that uh, one, of the play, one of the areas in our brains, the default mode network, the DMN. Uh, that 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 all of a sudden gets active, and here's here's one of the quotes from that article. It says the DMN seems to play an important role when you're focusing attention inward rather than focusing focusing on the external world. The DMN has been linked to things like ethics, memories, creativity, and how we define our sense of self. There's some science to suggest that what our brains do when they're not actively processing information is pretty important. When we let our minds wander, it can actually be replenishing. So um, uh, one of my author friends here from Spokane was, uh, was, was talking a couple years ago, and he said um, that he's worried about this generation uh, with cell phones and screens all around all the time because what produces so much of the world's great art and literature is just sheer boredom, you know? And we don't actually have to be, we might be bored and we might be sitting there zoning out on our phone doing nothing, but we're not actually having that downtime and we're not actually experiencing that, like that deep boredom. Um, uh, our minds need to stop and our souls actually need that too. So that's back to silence and solitude that our, that our souls actually need that downtime, that reparative time. Um, <clears throat> so, so um, the first thing that she talks about there uh, is just this kind of like over busy life that we lead. Um, another thing that comes out in this is that we have kind of a performance oriented spirituality. And even when it gets down to uh, uh, what we, yeah, I don't know what you would call it, a quiet time or where we spend, you know, um, we spend some focused time with the Lord. Often what we want is um, we want to, um, we want to get something out of that. We want to make sure we're productive in that. Uh, we want to make sure it's a good use of our time. We want to be excellent at that. All these things that um, um, have kind of been built up as assumptions about the spiritual life. Um, 
kind of fight against uh, the pull to the deeper intimacy with God in some ways. Um, one of the one of the interesting questions um, when we're training spiritual directors, um, one of the things we we teach people to not say is how are you doing spiritually? To never ask that question. And and the reason we 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 tell people don't ask that question is because as soon as you ask somebody that, how are you doing spiritually? It, you snap into a performance mode. And it's like this defensive posture, like, oh, well, you know, um, I'm reading my Bible five times a week. And, I'm, you know, it's the what am I doing? But it doesn't actually address what's actually going on in you. So, I mean, so a better question is, instead of how are you doing spiritually, is how is your soul? How is your spirit? Um, what's it like with you and Jesus these days? Those kind of things um, that take us out of this performance mindset. And most of us don't even know we're in that but we live in this performance mindset. Um, so, uh, yeah, okay. So I haven't actually spelled out what it might look like to have silence and solitude. And I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I wanted to ask you as a group, uh, go ahead and unmute yourselves if you want to. What... Um, when you think about solitude, spending even, um, well, let me throw my example out there of going and spending six hours in solitude. When you think about that, um, is there anything that's attractive to you about that? And I'll just let anybody go. I think for me, it sounds like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> and... Hmm. Um, like I have two young kids and I'm at home. And so, so many, so much of my day is like, Oh, I just can't wait to sit down. Like, it just feels like, <laughs> you know, like you're on your two feet, you're getting stuff done. So for me, that sounds like rest, real rest. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Sarah. Anybody else, anything um, attractive there? I was going to say to me, it sounds like relief, um, a relief like of expectations of pressures of, um, of needing to do anything. It's an opportunity to just be. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So let me ask this to the group. Um, is there anything about this that you go, oh, no, I do not want that? Or here are all the reasons. That sounds great, but here's all the reasons that that will never happen. Um, what do you see as the, the kind of the downside or the negative side? I, I've, I had one experience like early on in trying to practice silence and solitude, which was really bad. And that experience was, I think, largely because I, it, what, what you brought up earlier about performance, I expected to come away from that time having heard something from God. And I came mm -hmm. away from that time with nothing. And <laughs> that was very, like, it, it, it almost made me question whether or not, like, it, it made me question whether or not I was saved to that degree. Just yeah. like, how could I go yeah. and spend all this time with God and hear nothing? So my, my perspective right. has changed on that since then, but that was definitely a, a low point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you mind telling us what changed in your perspective? I'd say it was a, there were probably a number of things over like the course of a number of years. Um, how to boil it down into a short comment. <laughs> um, you know, actually I'll, I think something I was reading about Jesus words on prayer recently that really stuck with me was, you know, Jesus says, when, when you pray, go into your room, lock your door and your father and, and pray to your father who is in secret. And that, that stood out to me almost as Jesus kind of reassuring people that when you go into that place where no one else is, God is there. 
Yeah. Your father who yeah. is in secret. And, uh-huh. and yeah, just that reassurance from Jesus that, you know, you're, the father is there. You're not alone. So, yeah, I don't That's think great. anything necessarily has to be said, but just knowing that God is present. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thanks. Anybody else? Anything about just going away and being quiet for a period of time? What What are the blocks that come up to that? I was just going to piggyback off of Cam. Like, I think it's so innate in our culture that a large amount of time or even a short amount of time is an investment and you are supposed to get a return. Um, and so I think I would relate to that, that like, what if I don't have something tangible I can share after rather than just looking at it as it's just an opportunity to be, and that's what it's actually designed to be. But like, like I don't even like run, like going for a run because there's no like end point. Like, it's just like, I need a destination, like show me the destination. Um, so I think, I think that part I'm like, uh, yeah. 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 That accomplishment piece is big. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to do solitude. Um, it doesn't have to be in the perfectly decorated room with a candle and, uh, you're, you're quite, that's, that is one way to do it. That's, that's a fine way to do it. But, um, I actually think, um, there's all these old crusty guys that I've, I've lived around for my whole life that are hunters and fishers, and they would never give into something like going to a monastery and, and being quiet, which I mean, I love, uh, but they would never do that, but they will fight tooth and nail to get out of town by themselves with their fishing pole and go sit by a lake and not even care if they catch anything. I mean, they care and they talk about that all the time, but I actually think the underlying thing for a lot of folks is that there's a desire to go and and be still and kind of get rid of all this other expectation, at least for a a moment, you know? And, um, and so I I do think sometimes uh, camping and, and getting outdoors and doing those kind of things can be um, a way that we enter into this. It can also be a way that we just spend a lot of money on gear and uh, do it with a whole lot of friends and it never is actually silence or solitude. But, but I, but I think there's a way to actually um, be in the outdoors and in a way that we go there to be with God and, and and connect. So I think that's, um, I think that's a, a good thing, the sitting around the fire that you brought up there. Um, so uh, another just simple way to think about this is what if you made an appointment, put it on your calendar um, for a half a day or a couple hours once a month where you knew you were going to uh, place yourself somewhere outdoors, a quiet spot, um, a walk along the river, wherever it might be for you. Um, and just say, this is on my calendar and I'm going to tell everybody I know that, that needs to know, um, that my phone won't be on and, um, I won't be reachable through any social media outlet. I'm, I'm just gone. I'm off the grid and I'm, and I'm quiet for a couple hours. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a really simple way to just start this solitude thing. Um, I'm going to give us a, we're actually going to do a little practice of centering prayer here in a little bit, which will, for, for those of you who go, yeah, well, still, you haven't said what we're supposed to do during solitude. Um, the, the, well, the answer to that, if you're, if you're asking that question is you don't have to do anything. Um, nothing is a great answer to what do you do during solitude? Um, so that's one way to think about it. Uh, planning your outdoor trips in a way, um, it might be a run, it might be a bike ride, it might be a walk. Um, those might be the places that you actually build solitude. 
um, into your life. I don't know if um, I didn't hear about um, you haven't done like the practice of Sabbath, have you in these talks? No, I'll be tackling Sabbath next. So if you don't give any gems that are too great, Dave. Okay, well, no worries there. Um, here's the here's the one thing that um, well, and I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you a gem that was has been so rich for me, and I'm completely not following my own rule here at all right now, totally not. So I'm a complete hypocrite as I tell you this. Um, but when I was pastoring, actively pastoring, and I had a, a different kind of schedule, um, I built into my life a Friday Sabbath. And again, this is a little bit of privilege that I could do this. So it was, you know, um, I, I, my wife is a, a elementary school teacher. Um, my kids were all in school. And so for the probably the last five or six years of my um, time at, at our church on Fridays, I would shut my phone off completely and if I was going to be in the area, I would um, just put it in a drawer and I wouldn't look at it again until Saturday. I'd pick it up again on Saturday. And let me tell you, the, the pressure, the morning where I was shutting it off and put, and letting go of it, it was like it was a magnet stuck to my hand. Like, I just got to check one more thing. And, you know, there was anxiety actually around that. But by the end of the day, I didn't want to pick it up again. I mean, the, untethering myself from it. And then my only thing I did on my Sabbath days, is I said, my only goal here is to get nothing done. That was my, that's how I uh, did that. Um, so I won't, I won't say anything else about Sabbath, but, um, but having a, maybe one of the ways that we get into this thing, even if we have busy lives and people around us all the time, is to simply unplug from uh, some form of technology one day a week. You know, that's another way to think of solitude, but Spencer will crush it uh, next time around with uh, how to have the perfect Sabbath. Um, so I mean, th those are just some ideas. Um, and let me say this. So, and I'm stealing again from um, Ruth Haley Barton. Actually, I'm stealing from the Gospels, but in, in Mark, um, Mark 6, Jesus says, uh, he invites his disciples to get away with him to a, um, uh, well, how does he say it? I have it right here on my phone. Oh, I have it right here open in the Bible. See, a uh, real Bible in front of me. Um, he says it like this. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Um, I, the reason I'm referencing Ruth Haley Barton in this is that what I, I always forget about this passage because that gets quoted by itself. But what I forget about this is that they were in the middle of crazy ministry. They just fed, you know, 5,000 men and all the women and children that were associated with it. They fed all these people. Um, things that they'd never seen before are happening. And, and ministry is just cranking for them. It's going so well. And so much is happening. And they're so busy. And sandwiched against that, is that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. And it's their task to go get his body and bury it. So they are in between an incredible workload and things they love to do and they're enjoying. It's not that it's all bad. It's great stuff. And incredible injustice and grief. Which are the times in my life where I go, I don't have time for this practice of solitude. And somehow Jesus wants them to hear from him. Let's go get to a quiet place for a little bit. But that was important that they heard that. And I think that's important for us too. Um, when life just, uh, it all hits the fan and goes sideways. Um, this seems pretty impractical, really. Um, but the, the, the invitation is still there. So here is one way that you might practice this. Um, you might have some, did you, did you uh, get sheets handed out with the centering prayer thing on it? Uh, 
I thought you wanted that to go it, after. I can get those out pretty quick, but people don't have them right oh, now. Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen here. That's fine. Okay. Um, so there's, uh, there's a couple different things that I sent to Spencer. And um, one of them is kind of a, it's the practice of centering prayer is more filled out on one of them. On the other one, it's just the four guidelines for centering prayer. And so this is kind of a specific kind of prayer that is um, apophatic prayer, which is like it's wordless uh, prayer. It's not um, it's not something that you're going to bring your um, your whole mind to uh, and think about and chew on and. Um, it's not petition. It's none of those things that um, at least I used to always think of when I thought of prayer. This is just being with is the best way to describe this. It's being with. So here's the four, here's the four stages of this. And we're going to actually take five minutes and, and, and just practice it in a second. Uh, so I'm not going to spend much time, but this is basically it. So you choose a sacred word. The sacred word is not magical. It's a, it's a device that you use to bring yourself back. Um, well, first of all, it can be any word you choose. But I, um, well, I'll tell you one of the ones that I use is float. Because it, it helps me imagine that I'm resting in the river of God's mercy and love. I used to float the river on inner tubes when I was a kid all the time. We, you know spend all day floating down the river. And that's the, it's a, it's an image that just says, I'm just captured in God's grace and love right now. So that's the word for me. Um, anyway, you can be whatever you want it to be, but you choose that. And, and when you say it at the beginning of the prayer, it, it just says, no, this is my intention um, that I want to consent to God being with me and acting in me. Um, and then you sit comfortably. And this is sort of important because um, if you're, too comfortable or you're just laying down often you just fall asleep um but you don't want to be uncomfortable this is not supposed to be torture so it's kind of about how do you sit comfortably in a way that you can breathe and stay awake but settle down and you say the sacred word again and then um you just sit there and what i would say is if you were doing this on your own set a timer for 20 minutes or don't set a timer some people say not to but um it's a great way for you to not be checking uh, your phone or the clock all the time to see how far in you are. Set a timer, let it, um, let it go for 20 minutes. And then um, whenever you engage with your thoughts, and that is um, any body sensations, feelings, images, reflections, whenever you start getting wrapped up in the like, oh yeah, so today I have to do this, 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 and this, and the kids are going to need this, and my friends need this, and um, I got to pay school bills for this. And, you know, you, you go down that list, you just say the word and you return and you're returning back to God and God's with you all the time, whether you're in your thoughts or not, but you just return back and sit there. Um, and then at the end of the prayer period, you remain silent for a couple more minutes. So um, though the other um, sheet that Spencer will send you, fills that out a little bit more. Um, but that's basically it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take five minutes and you can just close your eyes. I'm going to set a timer for five minutes and we're going to just practice this. So here we go.
Okay, that's five. A few minutes remaining here. I'm, I'm curious uh, what you noticed during those five minutes of silence. What did you notice about yourself? About the experience? For me, the normal life was suspended and it was just peace, which was mm. the word. Well, what was that last thing you said, which was what? Peace was my word. So there was peace. Was the word. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I was just going to say, I found my thoughts were noisier at the beginning. And then as the time went on, I was able to um, sort of capture them quicker and, um, you know, come back to my, my word. It's great. Uh, anybody have, was it abrasive to any of you or difficult? It was definitely for me, uh, not abrasive. It was very relaxing, but it was definitely difficult to capture my thoughts. It was, mm. and I'm the type of person that Matt can look at me and say, what are you thinking about? And I'll say nothing. And I truly am thinking about nothing. And he can't wrap his mind around the fact that I could possibly be thinking about nothing. But it does happen. <laughs> except for when I'm trying to do silence and solitude. And then I think of everything. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So it's weird how that works. Um, so that's always been my struggle with it is that, you know, I could sit on the couch and think of literally think of nothing. But when I intentionally try to take that time, all the things come to mind. So that's how I found it this evening. But it was I really enjoyed the fact like having that one word to bring you back rather than forcing yourself to or even not forcing yourself, but almost being hard on yourself, like disciplining yourself, like what's wrong with you? Why can't you get back? But just rather than doing that, saying the word, it feels a lot more um, peaceful and easier to ease back into um, where you were before by saying a word rather than, you know, being hard on yourself for wandering. So that was yeah. good. That's great. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, you know, there's that story by uh, Keating, who this, this came from, from Thomas Keating, um, that a woman said to him one time, oh, it seems like every time I try to do centering prayer, um, I must drift away 10,000 times in that 20 minutes. And he said, oh, what a wonderful thing to have 10,000 opportunities to return to the Lord. And that's, I love that story because it's, it, you know, really it's the, it's the heart of this is that well, it's not really a problem for God. Yeah. So let, let the thoughts come and turn back to God. That's, that's, that's great. Well, we're, um, we're just about at 5.30, so I want to respect everybody's time. Um, I would just say this is one way to do silence and solitude. If you're going away for a couple of days or six hours, you know, you don't have to do centering prayer. You could, you could go journal or just don't, just don't think how much stuff can I get through? You know, how many podcasts can I listen to? How many books can I read? How much can I get done in this free space? Um, really the only parameters are how do you, what do you want with God in that, in that time? And then be open to that. Thank you, Dave. Thanks very much. Do you have like a couple more minutes in case anybody has any lingering questions they want to pose to you? Yep. I'd be happy to stick around. So Dave, I'm, I'm wondering, um, Obviously, the solitude part in some ways excludes the idea of doing this with other people, um, but would be interested in your thoughts on how communities of faith can practice this together. Just thinking as yeah, that's a as, as we yeah as we participate in communities of faith and and shepherd communities of faith that are plagued by the busyness that you've talked about and plagued by the noise how how can we yeah shepherd one another in silence and solitude 
Yeah. Um, here's, here's how I did it with our church. And, uh, you know, I, well, as you can see my talk today, I ripped off a lot of it from, uh, Ruth Haley Barton. And, uh, so the space for God, uh, retreat thing that my friend Morris Dirks did for me and for other, uh, other folks, I just stole that. And we did that as a community. And so, um, one or two times a year, I would plan a retreat for our community and uh, we would go away. Um, and what we, what I ended up calling it for everyone was communal solitude. I said, so we're going to do, we're going to practice communal solitude. And the way that worked was, I'm just, there's a, probably lots of ways to do this. Um, but this is the, this is the one way that I did it. Um, we would um, we'd go someplace uh, and we have some great monasteries around here. So I would actually, and they have great retreat houses. So I book a retreat house, we'd go. Um, we would actually eat meals um, and, and talk to each other during meals for the community piece. Um, and then I had a few sessions where we did um, basically Lectio Divina together where we would, we would, um, take a prayer or a piece of scripture and just soak in it together and share our lives kind of in that format. And then we would build in, um, you know, an afternoon if we'd go for, if we were just there for uh, one day, we'd build just one afternoon in, but uh, we did some that were four days long and we would build two afternoons in where it was, um, where it was solitude, where everybody went and did something on their own. Um, The rules were, um, you might feel like, uh, you want to ask somebody a question during that time, but unless you kind of like preset that thing up, um, don't, and don't bother the people. Don't talk to other people during that time. And then we'll be back together for the evening meal. We'll, we'll see how it went. So that's the way we did it. That's one way. I'm sure there's lots of creative ways. My, my question, Dave is, um, I, I quite enjoy like, you know, camping trip on my own or whatever. Um, I don't get as many opportunities to do those anymore, but what I think I really lament in my life is the, the intolerance that I have for like, um, for boredom, as you talked about, you know, like, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I won't say for sure one way or the other, maybe I do take my phone to the washroom with me. Um, and <laughs> do look for it beforehand, um, you know, or yeah, just, the, just the inability or the intolerance for like those quiet moments. And do you like, I would assume that, you know, those long stretches and then sort of the day to day in between moments of quiet that they're connected. Do you find that like taking, taking those, you know, like the, the af- one afternoon a month or whatever, or a couple of days every quarter that that, slowly over time can trickle back into the everyday or are they kind of two separate beasts that you have to wrangle with? Does that? that No. Yeah. No, I think, I think that they, they go hand in hand. Um, My practice in the mornings is centering prayer. So it's a little different than what you were um, asking, but I have a whole little routine where I start a kettle for some coffee for a pour over. And then I walk out here to my office and build a fire uh, in the winter, it's watering plants in the in the spring and summer. Um, but I build a fire and then I go back in and make the coffee and I come back out here and sit. And I do that for, um, yeah, a half hour to 45 minutes almost every morning. Just sit in silence. Um, almost every morning. And, and let me say it like this too. It accidentally happened a couple of years ago that this started happening. So this is not me being great at anything. It just became something that I think through the, through the time away and and the days away, um, it became something that I really wanted and longed for. And so um, I don't set an alarm. I'm not um, overly, um, you know, religious about it. I just uh, end up out here most mornings doing that. And where it connects to your question is what I've found by my morning practice of centering prayer is that that becomes an anchoring point and the conversation 
for the rest of the day. It becomes a centering place. Even if it's not, any, nothing had to happen in that time for it to be that way. And it's kind of like um, when you spend extended time with a friend someplace, even if you're not talking, you're hashing through things, that, that shared experience permeates the relationship down the road. You know, it can be five years later and you can just look at, look at each other and go like, oh yeah, we were there. You know, it's a, it's something that actually does stitch its way through the rest of the day. So just a question, Dave, when you talk about, you know, the centering prayer, you're for those 30 to 45 minutes, like you're identifying that within that time you're using float or the other, uh, you know, top six or whatever you have. And for that 40 minutes, you're going back to that word, bringing yourself mm-hmm. back, reminding yourself of God's presence. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, uh, I guess to build it out a little bit more, there are some mornings where it's flat or there's not much going on. Um, and those are really just as good as the times where sometimes um, there's more sense of connection with God. Sometimes there's less, you know, I, um, and the only way I can describe that is that seems to be how it is with me in relationships. But sometimes I can be sitting on the couch uh, with my wife and um, just being there in her presence is great. And sometimes I'm, you know, more distracted or just not as aware. Uh, but being together and being in proximity to each other is actually it's a, it becomes a thing that's a, um, it's normal, you know, in a way that it isn't with other, other people. So I don't know if that's, if that's helpful at all, but that's, that is the practice. And, and I would also say that this doesn't mean that if you, if you end up doing centering prayer, that um, all the kinds of prayer are out the window now, you know, um, it really is a, it's a foundational thing for me. That makes it the kinds of prayer that I might be involved in in my life um, more meaningful, richer. Well, I, I just wanted to ask a question because I think that there is a, as we talked about this performance driven spirituality, that's like, you mean, I can just sit with the Lord and just go back to one <laughs> word. Like, you'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that that's just a, a really beautiful thing to be able to identify and to say, yeah, like you're coming back to him, like with that word and reminding yourself you're in his arms. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's, that's good. All right. Thanks everybody. And uh, as Dave said, he gave me a couple um, resources that I will, a couple handouts that I'll pass along to y'all uh, via email tomorrow sometime. But uh, other than that, I think we're, uh, we're all done. So have a good uh, have a good evening.